Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Parafans, Justin here. It is the giving season once again. Are you searching for a last-minute gift idea? Do you have some people who are impossible to shop for? Then head over to Keep Collective via Shelly Sailor's Keep Collective Party to find neat jewelry and accessory gift ideas for the most impossible person to shop for. Just go to keepcollective.com forward slash SOC forward slash VO9CM. Again, that's keepcollective.com forward slash S is in Sam, O is in Oscar, C is in Cat, forward slash V is in Victor, O is in Oscar, the number nine, C is in Cat, M is in Mary. And now, on to the show. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. Myths of old and stories of new. Lies be told and truths are few. So lock your doors and watch your back. For these are the legends of the men named Jack. Now Paratruth presents What is it about the name Jack? Welcome, Parafans, to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight we got an amazing episode for you. But Eric, my friend, first off, how's the week been for you? How's life treating you? The week is good. Life has been all right. Uh, you know, it, it's been frustrating. Luckily, it's Sunday, which means I only have five days of my school career left. <laughs> Do you hear that in the background? No. My, it's a good thing I'm on this, because <laughs> if I was on this, you'd hear it on this other mic. Um, yeah, so only five days left of my school career. I'm super excited to finally be done. Uh, just just kind of no more... I mean, still studying, but studying stuff I enjoy studying, not like... <laughs> You know, the things I have to be forced to study. So uh, that'll be kind of nice. No more deadlines for school, right. which is nice. Uh, the only thing that kind of sucks is having to move back home, uh, which is good in one sense and in another, you know, kind of a bummer because I won't be on my own for a while. Right. Um, and then, of course, I have to leave my friends here, and it's going to be sad. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, all in all, it's good. How's your week been? Uh, it's been okay. I'm still doing my usual stuff for work and getting ready for the Christmas tidings. Mm, so Christmas tidings. And it's the weather's just been just as bad as last week, so we're nice. hunkering in and calling it a, a week. So, so yeah, it's been pretty good and... Uh, 
just keep doing research for new upcoming episodes. So I hope you guys are ready. <laughs> so uh, tonight, folks, we got a pretty neat episode for you. Eric actually came up with this one as well. We're going to be talking about the three Jacks. There was Jack the Ripper, uh, Spring Hill Jack, and then uh, Stingy Jack, which is actually based on, or, or his legend is based for the the Jack O' Lanterns. Now, I question: Is it Stingy Jack or is it Stingy Jack? Uh, good question. Uh, if anybody you know out there knows how to actually <laughs> pronounce this. Uh, I would say Stingy Jack, but because if it was... I don't even know how to spell Stingy, so it might be Stingy Jack. <laughs> well, let's get into that legend first and foremost, since we're stuck on the name. I'll let All you right. go over what the legend is about Stingy or, or Stingy... Jack, Jack-o'-lantern. Let, let's go with that. <laughs> Jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> okay, so the legend is pretty short. It's pretty brief, but it's pretty interesting. And, you know, we've talked about this particular legend once upon a time, I think on Parachute, uh, in one of our Halloween episodes a couple of years back. But basically this is just the story of how the jack-o'-lantern came to be as we know it today uh, with pumpkins and all. And according to the Irish myth, it's about a man named Stingy Jack or Stingy Jack. Now, according to the story, Let's just call him Jack. Uh, (laughs) According to the story, this guy named Jack uh, invited the devil to have a drink with him. And, of course, true to Jack's name, he didn't want to pay for the drink, so he basically tricked the devil into becoming a coin. So I would assume it's Stingy Jack, if that's the case. But Okay. So Stingy Jack decided to uh, trick the devil into becoming a coin so that he could pay for the drinks, and they can kind of get away without really paying anything. And so the devil turned himself into a coin, and then Jack took the coin, put it into his pocket next to a silver cross, preventing the devil from changing back. Now Jack said, I'll take the cross away and allow you to change back to your normal self if you promise not to bother me for the next year. So the devil agreed, changed back, everything's fine and dandy. A little later, Jack once again tricks the devil, tricks him to go up a tree to fetch a fruit. Now, before I continue, I just got to say how a guy is capable of tricking the devil twice is amazing. Uh, interesting thing here, but nonetheless, he did it. And when the devil climbed to the top of this tree, Jack carved a cross into the bottom of it, preventing the devil from coming back down to the ground. So Jack said... I'll let you come back down if you promise not to bother me for 10 years. So the devil agreed once again. Soon after that, Jack dies. Now, Jack, being as stingy as he was, was a little unsavory figure in heaven and therefore, or was a little unsavory and therefore, God wouldn't allow him into heaven. Mm-hmm. The devil, on the other hand, was a little upset about the whole trickery thing and wouldn't allow him into hell. So the devil decided to give him a burning coal so that his spirit can wander the earth for the rest of eternity. And Jack ended up taking the coal and placing it into a turnip, which in Irish uh, 
in Irish lore and eventually, you know, in Ireland, they would go ahead and create these jack-o'-lanterns out of turnips <clears throat> and out of oh, and out of potatoes. And they would put these in their windows to ward off Stingy Jack and other evil spirits, basically. And of course, as we know, once everybody came to America, they found pumpkins and voila, we got the jack-o'-lantern. But yeah, so that's who Stingy Jack is and how the jack-o'-lantern came to be. Now, the little bit that I came across as well was they also used rutabagas, gourds, and sometimes beets. Okay. And since the pumpkins were so much larger, they were easier to work with, so that's why they switched to the jack-o'-lantern, or the pumpkin, instead of the the turnips and the the rutabagas. So, I guess to explain a little bit why we decided to do these three jacks, there's actually a spiritual aspect to each of these people. Uh, we'll we'll explain a little bit about uh, Jack the Ripper specifically, but Springhill Jack and Stingy Jack obviously um, have specific spiritual ties. Jack sold his soul to the devil. The next one we'll get into is Springhill Jack, and then I think we'll end with Jack the Ripper because he mm-hmm. that case was just one that's still talked about to this day. So, like I said, Springhill Jack, he sold his soul to the devil. So, I guess, really, there's not a whole lot to this legend other than Stingy Jack sold his soul to the devil and then it created the the jack-o'-lanterns. But uh, it was interesting because I don't... You said we've done talked about it a little bit, but I don't remember if we went into too much detail about it. Like on our Halloween episode or anything, but yeah. So I think at the time it wasn't so much. We weren't so much talking about Stingy Jack, but it was the discussion about the Jack O' Lantern. Oh, and so yeah. we just briefly covered Stingy Jack and how his Jack Lantern came to be, as opposed to covering Jack himself. Right. I see what you're saying. All right, so that leads us into the legend of Springheel Jack, and this one has a spiritual connection as well, and. Since Eric had the idea for this episode, I'm going to just let him wing it and let him uh, tell the, the legend of the Springheel Jack. I was hoping you'd take this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Springfield Jack, interesting character, uh, pretty much began in 1808, uh, in, in which a letter to the editor of the Sheffield Times recounted how years beforehand, before 1808, uh, a famous ghost walked and played many pranks upon a historic neighborhood. And there's been a number of different uh, witness claims or witness accounts of what he looks like and what he did. Some said that Spring Hill Jack was simply a prankster who would run up to people, slap them in their face, and then jump off into no man's land. He was extremely jumpy, literally, uh, and was able to bound from rooftop to rooftop, over gorges. Uh, he was able to just disappear in a blink of an eye. And so many people believed him to be a human spirit that would then just vanish when he would no longer have any work to do or he was hiding from someone. Uh, throughout about 
only, only about a couple of years actually where it was really big deal. Uh, Spring Hill Jack would mostly assault women, typically, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, and, and at one point in 1837, he appeared to a woman named Polly Adams and two other women outside of Blackheath Fair. Uh, they said that he had iron-tipped fingers and that he tore the blouse off of Adams and scratched her stomach before bouncing off into darkness. Now, according to some of these accounts... Adams had described this character, this spring Jack, mm-hmm. as being devil-like, but then later said that he was more pop-eyed. Uh, so we have two kind of different variations from the same person. And of course, you know, we can't say much about it. You know, we can't say that she's telling lies because often when people are encountered in some kind of, uh, I don't want to say tragedy, but something that just happens quickly. Traumatic. Yeah, it's somewhat traumatic to themselves, you know, their account kind of changes here and there because sometimes at the moment things are just so crazy and hectic that they see one thing but then as they start to recall the past and what really happened things kind of come into more you know of of a better visual and sometimes it kind of fades away so the story sometimes changes here and there but regardless he would often he was often described as this devil-like character despite you know at one time being considered a human like uh, you know, being. Mm. But the one thing, like I had already said, is that he always, always seemed to fit the spiritual nature. Where he was there one moment, gone the next. Now, Spring Heel Jack, supposedly, the reason why he was able to jump, and there's kind of a couple of th- different things here. Some say he's able to leap just because of who he is. You know, he's just the spirit who's able to jump. Some say he had a pair of boots that were spring loaded, basically, which allowed him. To, to jump at these great heights. <clears throat> and at one point, things got so hectic where he was pranking so many people that a group of vigilantes were acquired to go out and find him. And they went out with guns. They were shooting at him and stuff, but he always got away. They never caught him. <clears throat> later, it, often in these stories you hear later because it all happens within about a year or two. So we're not, we don't really have many years here. It's all happening within 1837, 1838, you know, around that time. Uh, a woman named, a woman named Lucy Scales or some would say Lucy Squires, uh, her and her sister walked home on a London street and Jack jumped out of the shadows and spat blue flames in her face which temporarily blinded her. He then retreated into the darkness. And we kind of see this commonality of where he just shows up for a moment to scare someone and then jumps back. Mm -hmm. Well, this attack and others were widely reported by the press. And when Jane Alsep heard a knock at her door and the words, I'm a police officer, for God's sake, bring me a light, for we have caught Spring Hill Jack in the lane, she ran outside eager to help. She handed this officer who was wearing a cloak and a helmet, uh, she handed him a flashlight, and when she saw his face, he had glowing eyes, red eye, red glowing eyes, and he was wearing a white oil skin type of clothing uh, underneath his cloak and everything. At that very moment, he then spit blue and white flames in her eyes, or in her face as well, uh, and then pinned her head under one arm and began to tear at her face, neck, and clothing with what she claimed were icy claws. 
No, Elsop's sister then came running to help her, dragged her into the house, and Spring uh, Springhill Jack waited at the door for them and even knocked several more times until help finally arrived, and he disappeared, never to be seen again by those particular women. Now, he was often always courted as this guy who, or this being who would play pranks, except that in 1843, some witnesses or some people claim that things started to change. And a wave of jack attacks, as stated in <laughs> this particular online article that I found, uh, occur, began occurring all over England. And in 1845, a woman, well, not even a woman, uh, she, she was a prostitute. Her name is Maria uh, Davis, but she's only 13 years old, mm. was murdered, found murdered. And they claim that Spring Hill Jack was the murderer. So, you know, between 1808 and 1843, we're seeing that this is the first and only account of a murder by the so-called Spring Hill Jack. So to believe that he actually was the one who was, you know, responsible for this, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really fit. <clears throat> Regardless, uh, Spring Hill Jack kind of came and got, went throughout the years, all the way up to 1995, uh, when people still claimed st- uh, that they started to see him again. And uh, basically, no one really has an idea of who he is or where he came from. There's a speculation that, A, he is a demon of some sort or just a spirit of some sort. Now, despite all of these different, you know, witness accounts between 1808 and 1995 and even to now you know there's still claims supposedly happening around the England areas in particular uh, there have been people who've come out and claimed that there have been actual people who they believe is responsible for these spring-heeled jack occurrences now of course it's kind of tough to say because nobody's living from 1808 to 1995 you know right. so either He's a spirit of some sort, or whoever is, whoever originally was Spring Hill Jack, a copycat came along and decided to follow in his footsteps, or maybe it's a family type of thing, or you know whatever. Passed down so, through the generation. Yeah, passed down from generation to generation. But <clears throat> that's pretty much Spring Hill Jack. He's he's this trickster basically who was at one time a murderer for a night. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's hard to pinpoint on this one what it really was. I mean, he eventually actually became a hero instead of a villain in um, stories being the the one that rescued the girl or what have you instead of the one hurting it. So what, this is a question to you. Why do you think... Through stories, it eventually became an anti-hero instead of a hero or a villain, rather. Um, like, what would have associated people to think of him as a hero instead of a villain? I don't know if it's so much that people would think of him as a hero per se. I, I know that in uh, some media's uh, or entertainment, I should say, movies, television, mm. etc. You know. People had the creative license to go ahead and do whatever they wanted. They decided to make Spring Hill Jack this 
anti-hero or this hero instead for whatever the cause was for their particular story. And so, you know, naturally people just kind of took on to that and followed that path. And so you have these two groups that see it as two different things. Now, the origin story is still the same. So why it changes, I think it's simply based on one person's opinion or just their belief or whatever the reason they have. You know, I don't think it has any particular reasoning or doing of him himself, this particular entity. Okay. So another possibility that kind of just came to me, what is your thoughts on this just being a legend that's been passed down through the generations? Because it actually ended up here in the Americas as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It ended up here in the Americas right around 1970s. So at least that's when he returned uh, to the U.S. I don't have a clear... Uh, There's a date here of, of oh, I 1880. Do, uh, that, first reported... Yeah. Yeah, first reported was uh, Louisville, Kentucky in July of 1880. Uh, you know, I completely forgot your question. <laughs> Do you think that it's just a legend that's passed down from generation oh. to generation? Because it, since it was in England and then ended up here, it could have just traveled with the yeah. family. Right. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's very possible that it was just simply a legend. I mean, we don't have any real proof. There's no pictures. There's one story from, I think is the 1840s in which... Actually, it was. It was the one story about uh, that Lucy Squire, or not Lucy Squires. Uh, so it was during Alsop's story, the one with Jane Alsop. When he ran away, he left his cloak. So mm-hmm. for some reason, some way, okay. he dropped his cloak. And yet we have no reference to this cloak actually being picked up. We don't have any pictures of this, of this cloak, no drawings of this cloak. We don't have any reference stating that this cloak was ever real, which is interesting because if this creature was real and really did drop something physical, despite being a spirit of some sort, then why don't we have that evidence today? You know, what happened? Because mm-hmm. that's something I think people would have held on to regardless of the years. I mean, you look through things that are 4,000 years old, history that's 4,000 years old, and we still have those. But this particular cloak just vanishes. So I think there's a very good possibility that Spring Hill Jack is absolutely nothing more than a legend. But okay. an interesting legend at that. Right. Well, it, it's hard, to, like I said, it's hard to pinpoint on this specific one because if it was a spirit, like you said, with the, the cloak thing, why why would he have dropped that? I mean, right. in a lot of legends, there are spirits that carry things or whatever uh, you want to call it, but... In a lot of pretty much every other legend, he is described as a non-corporeal creature that kind of just tortures people. But mm-hmm. so, what? Like the other thing that kind of comes to mind, like I said, it traveled here to the States, is kind of like what we talked about with the Hellhounds last week. If it is a demonic type creature or a trickster spirit, whatever it is, it could have attached itself to a specific family or set of people that traveled here to the the Americas. To the Americas. But... I think 
there was still legends in England of him being around as well around the same time as when he was in the Americas. Mm-hmm. Well, and you got to remember that I think some of these witness accounts, I think some of them are falsified. I think some of them are actually true. Okay. And, and of course, I think people probably question like, well, how can something, how can this be true? You know, like kind of contradicts this whole legend thing. But anyway, we've talked about it many times. When you hear something, you have something in your mind, you know, a visual yeah. or a story, your mind plays tricks on you. You kind of see these things, you know. And I said like several months ago, I think it was over a year ago now, where I thought I saw Bigfoot on the side of the road driving yeah. home from Virginia. You know, obviously it wasn't Bigfoot, it was a tree. I saw it. I knew it was a tree after the fact. But nonetheless, I what I thought I saw at the moment was definitive. Mm-hmm. I thought I saw a Bigfoot. And then that changed once I got a better grasping of what I was looking at. Now, what I saw was during the day. If it was nighttime, I might have thought I saw Bigfoot. And then after that, continued to think I saw Bigfoot because I couldn't really de- determine what it was I actually saw. You know, like, there just wasn't, you know, I might not have had hard evidence. So if you're outside at night, which many of these attacks, of these attacks always happen at night, then you might see a shadow out the corner of your eye. We all know about shadow people. You might see something leap. It could have been a deer leaping over a fence. Out the corner of your eye or something or in the shadows, it could be Spring Hill Jack. You never know, right? Right. So I think some of these stories could be true, some of these eyewitness accounts. But it doesn't mean that Spring Hill Jack himself is true. It just means that whatever the person witnessed in their mind was 100% real, even if it wasn't. So interesting, folks. Uh, the interesting stuff, folks. We are going to get into Jack the Ripper, but first we're going to Eric's random fact today, and we will be right back. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. What's up, guys? Eric here with your random fact of the day. Many secular astronomers claim that the Bible cannot be used to learn about the existence of our universe because God cannot exist and therefore the Bible cannot be truth. However, did you know that the Bible told us that the earth was round while astronomers still believed that the earth was flat? According to an article titled Taking Back Astronomy written by Dr. Jason Lyle, the book of Isaiah states that the earth was round. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, Isaiah mentions the circle of the earth, which is fitting, considering our earth is round. Interestingly, an astronomer named Pythagoras, who lived from 570 to 500 BC, is credited as being the first person to assert that the earth is round. However, it is generally acknowledged that Isaiah was written in the 700s BC, which means that the Bible set claim that the earth was round 200 years before Pythagoras asserted his theory.
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, folks, welcome back to Pear Truth Radio. My name is Justin. And my name is Eric. And we are talking about the Jacks, specifically Jack the Ripper, Spring Hill Jack, and now that we've figured out the actual name, Stingy Jack. And uh, Stingy Jack is the folklore based for the pumpkins, the jack-o'-lanterns that you put out every Halloween, at least anybody who celebrates Halloween. Spring Hill Jack was a legend from England that actually traveled to America. I, 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 I'm saying in my own opinion, I think it's just a legend. I don't, there could be a spiritual aspect to it, mm-hmm. or it could be just people's imaginations running away with them. Well, real quick, if I, if I can, just for a moment yeah. here, because there's something else that I came across during our break that, I skipped on because I was just trying to give you the you know a quick story, but I found this kind of interesting because it almost kind of correlates with uh, almost kind of correlates with that of uh, uh, what's his name? Tall guy, tall man. It's a, tall man. We just talked about him the you know a few weeks ago. Tall. God, what did I think of his name? <laughs> talked uh, about him a few weeks ago. You know, tall really man. tall, skinny guy. Abraham Not Lincoln? No face. No face. <laughs> oh, uh... Monster. Um, uh... Slenderman. <laughs> Slenderman. Oh, what a good game of charades. <laughs> no, we should just... We should just leave this on the show. Yeah, just leave that part on the episode. <laughs> For those of you who guessed it before Justin, congratulations. Man. We had a phone number. We would have just put it out there for you guys to call. Tall guy. So. Tall guy. Tall guy. Tall guy. You know, the one without the face. The, the You know, the guy. Abraham Lincoln? No, no, no. The one without the face. Oh, man. Oh, it's been, it's, it's, you know, it's been a long day. Anyway, I wanted to just bring this up because I thought it was interesting and kind of correlated with the Slender Man thing. And the fact that in this one particular elementary school in West Surrey, it seems as if at one point Spring Hill Jack kind of surrounded himself with children. Okay. You know, and, and we know that Slender Man often, for whatever reason in the stories, reaches out to children. And so in this particular little story, real quick, uh, Children at this elementary school in West Surrey claim that Spring Hill Jack is always there and that he's some kind of creature. And they describe him as all black with red eyes and a funny all-in-one white suit with badges on it. They said that he could run as fast as a car and would approach dark-haired children and tell them, I want you. So, interesting. I know there's short is kind of out there because we've already kind of covered this stuff, but I wanted to throw it out there. It's weird. And, you know, again, like we saw with our uh, Slender Man topic, it could just be people, kids, who are starting to hear these stories and kind of taking it in their own, you know. Kids, it doesn't matter. They can know it's 
fake and yet somehow believe it's real, you know? Right. So, well, and on, on the spiritual aspect of it, yes, it could be imagination, but it could be a demonic creature, a, ta- a demon attaching itself to this specific legend, appearing to people as spring Jack, Slender Man, and then convincing people that he is this creature. Right. Or it is this creature, I guess. I should say. So, yeah, it that doesn't ponder the question what what really is going on. And it doesn't even say, like, why he wanted the children. He just says, I want you. Right. So... Yeah. So, who the heck knows? So... It, I wanted to to bring this up because it is kind of interesting that Jack the Jack the Ripper case is a case that's talked about to this day, and it ha- it's ha- it happened in England, uh, Whitechapel, England, and well, Whitechapel is actually a part of London. I'm sorry, and it kind of begs the question because nobody was ever found. What if this was a Springheeled Jack case, and not—I mean, they nicknamed him Jack the Ripper because it was murders, and right. Springheeled Jack was not known for murders except for the one young prostitute that was killed. Well, that right there is a connection, you know, the prostitute thing, right? But many people did begin to correlate the Springheeled Jack myths with that of Jack the Ripper. I mean, that is something that people have done, right? So. You never know. So, there were five murders total, and he, at least that were reported. There might have been some that he had killed that they never found, but there was Mary Nichols murdered August 31st, 1888. Annie Chapman murdered on September 8th, 1888. Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes, I believe is the last name, both murdered September 30th, 1888, and finally Mary Kelly murdered on November 9th, 1888. <laughs> so, there's no rhyme or reason. Like, he didn't pick spe- specific dates as far as we're seeing. There is no, like, <clears throat> um, correlation to any type of historical dates as far as we're seeing. So it's interesting because it's just random dates, basically, is what well, I'm saying. I, I actually, I'd like to actually disagree with you on that. Okay. And I actually, when I'm looking at the dates, I think I see something interesting. I do see something, somewhat of a pattern. Uh, and real quick, I want to not correct you, but there were five that are considered, five women that were considered the murders of Jack the Ripper. However, there are some uh, quote-unquote ripperologists who believe that there was a sixth murder. And the sixth murder, which is actually the first murder, was of a woman named Martha Tabram, who was stabbed to death on August 6th of 1888. Now, with that into play, what I'm seeing here is how closely these these dates are associated to each other. Because we're seeing the very first one is August 6th, then August 31st. Right? Mm. 6th and the 31st. Then in September, we have the 8th, which is close to the 6th. 
and then September 30th, which is close to August 31st. And then the final one, which is in November, uh, November 9th, which is close to the 6th and, 6th and 8th. So we're seeing that he does have almost an equal amount of time. Well, that makes more sense when you say that first, yeah, murder that they associated with it. Now, does it say why they associate, because the, each of the other murders, they, these women were mutilated, not just stabbed to death. Why did they correlate this, that murder with the Jack the Ripper cases? Does it say? Yeah. It does not, it doesn't say exactly why, uh, but they just believe that because of the, the, the brutality of it, uh, in regards to the stabbing, that it might have been the very first one, which then led into this more horrific, Okay. You can get more horrific, even more horrific scenes uh, of these other five murders. So, so he evolved his his killing right. after that. First. More or less, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, it, with that, if they are associating that murder with the other ones, then yes, I can see the the pattern there. But why stop at five or six? That's the other question. And did you come across anything that they had theories about that at all? No, uh, I didn't come across anything that has any theories in, the, in regards as to why he stopped killing. Uh, I'm sure there's many out there. And I, even I have my own theories as well. I think that these particular killings weren't just random by any means. I think he knew his targets and he they were very specific. And it's specific to these five or six women. Uh, for whatever reason. And I think most likely the reason he would have done this are uh, of one of two reasons, I suppose. The first one is he paid, you know, he, you know, <laughs> he paid, paid for them, you know, uh, for whatever, you know, however much. And he found either they mistreated him or he paid too much or whatever. You know, it's sick, but he acted out on that. Or second, since he apparently seemed to be a a uh, doctor of some sort or a surgeon of some sort, maybe, like, for example, you said that there, there's theories that he might have been, like, an abortionist or something, right? So the, the theory of it being an abortionist, abortionist actually goes to the theory that Jack the Ripper was actually a woman. Oh, okay. And uh, the theory behind that is she was a midwife that specifically worked on abortions for whoever. And uh, a lot of people believe that it was a woman that was scorned by who a, a woman that wanted an abortion and reported and she went to jail. So when she got out, they're assuming that it was, is a, was a prostitute because she, the, the victims were prostitutes. <laughs> and they theorize that it was actually a woman by the name of Mary Piercy. And the reason they, come to that conclusion is she had a stronger physique and her nerves were as an iron cast as iron cast as her body it is a very weak theory by a lot of people a lot of ripper ripperologists whatever they're called and uh, 
it's interesting that they because that would be the case obviously if it was a an abortionist she would know the female anatomy better than the average woman per se right well here's the thing now do we know this woman's what's what's her name again or the, the Mary Piercy uh, do we know of her background at all like her parents background at all there is a there is a reason behind his theory this was a theory by a man named William Stewart he wrote a book called Jill the Ripper and the theory is that Mary Piercy had similar background to a a mad midwife that was I, I think is his wife's midwife it says his midwife but he wasn't a woman so why would it have been his midwife but she the midwife and Mary Piercy stabbed and killed the lover her lover's wife and child to death, cut their throats, and then later wheeling the bodies and into a secluded street. And these crimes were committed in October of 1890, after the Jack the Ripper case. Hmm. Or after the Jack well, the Ripper murders stopped, I right. should say. Okay. Because the only reason I brought it up and asked that question is because I was thinking, if this woman... If, it, if indeed it was a woman, this Jill the Ripper or whatever, uh, if she had a much stronger physique, you know, was capable of this, what if she herself was a prostitute as well, but wasn't getting the work that the other women, who were most likely more petite than her, were getting due to their physiques? Um, but then we quite, the question would be, you know, why does she seem or do these murders seem to be that of a doctor's or a butcher's based on the killer's knowledge of human uh, anatomy and my thought was maybe this woman if again if indeed it is or was a woman maybe her father was a doctor practicing surgeon or something like that or her mother or whatever you know and so she kind of learned the trade before becoming a prostitute and that's why she would have had the skills to do so. And it would have given motive as to why these five particular women would have been, you know, on the list to be killed. Right. It, yeah, and like I said, the, uh, most of the Ripperologists claim that this is a very weak theory. Mm-hmm. I would say that it begs the question, but I mean, we don't really know who Jack the Ripper was, so who's to say it wasn't a woman? Right. But, um, I mean, they also claimed, uh, actually, Sir Arthur, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who actually wrote the Sherlock Holmes books, Mm -hmm. claimed that, or believed, that Jack the Ripper himself would have disguised himself as a woman to avoid capture and become more readily accessible to other women. It's possible. Which then has you question yet another... This is the problem with unsolved cases. So many of these supposed theories bring up so many questions. And of course, here we go again, based on science, that's exactly what it does. These theories raise questions, and when you get an answer, it only offers you more questions. So... 
if this person, whoever Jack is, dressed up as a woman to be disguised, what if they had a mental disability in which they wanted to be a woman and hence saw these other women who actually were women and prettier than him decided to go out and kill them because of their beauty. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I'm not, there's no way in heck to try to figure out who the killer is. You just can't do it. But trying to understand the possible motives of putting out these ideas of what the motives were, at least that's a step and it kind of gives us more to talk about in regards to this particular uh, traumatic story and case. Now, there were a few links uh, to some other people for the murders as well, or at least one in particular. And some claim that there's a very good possibility that these murders were associated with Queen Victoria's grandson, Pris, Pris, right, was Pris, uh, Prince Albert Victor, who's also known as the Duke of Clarence. But again, even with that, there wasn't enough evidence uh, to substantially say that, yes, this is the person. Now, of course, we don't know why they would claim, or, you know, these detectives would claim that Prince Albert Victor would have been the killer, you know, they just state, oh, this is a possibility, but there's no substantial evidence. Like, well, why? Was this person, you know, I don't know anything about him, but historically speaking, was he someone who was just off the chain? You know, was he brutal? Was he, you know, vulgar? Did he have some kind of something that would make him seem as if he could be a person who could lash out and start killing people or what, you know? Right. But, well, th- I mean, there was also theories that it was the Freemasons uh, and a gentleman by the name of Lewis Carroll, and he was he was a part of the Freemasons. And uh, if it was just the five victims, it would kind of make sense why five victims, because. A lot of Freemasons, I'm not saying all, but a lot of Freemasons use the pentacle star. And if you've ever seen the Freemason symbol, it is kind of in the shape of the the pentacle star as well. Because it's a uh, protractor on one side and then the Freemason V on the bottom with the G in the center. Right. Because you're saying... So sorry. And so you're saying that there's a possibility that these five murders were something more of a cult-style sacrifices as opposed to just simply being these random murders. Like, perhaps there's some kind of sacrifice to a deity or to whatever it is. I mean, you know, Freemasons, they they come from all faiths. They're they're kind of like... uh, They're literally those bumper stickers that you see on the highway that say coexist. That's who the Freemasons are. They come from every different faith imaginable on the planet and they are considered one you know so I mean is that kind of what you're saying or what you're thinking or well it, it begs the question because I don't know if you saw the the Jack the Ripper movie with Johnny Depp in it uh, I don't recall I might have I don't I, recall I can't that. remember the exact title for it but it had actually speculated it, it was obviously fiction, but it said that actually Prince Albert Edward Victor was a part of the Freemasons. Mm. If he was or wasn't, I'm not sure. I didn't get into great detail with Albert Edward Victor, but right. it 
that would be an interesting theory uh, because, like I said, five murders, five points on the pentacle start. Right. Well, it is interesting, nonetheless, that there were only five murders and that they all stopped after, or at least appeared to stop, after November of 1888. It's kind of weird, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, obviously five murders are five murders too many, but at the same time, when you think of a serial killer, it's not that many, you know, mm. overall. Uh, and yet, the reason that this story or this case is so popular and so uh, famous is the simple fact that they never found Jack the Ripper. Right. Nothing has been able to link, you know, the murders to the, uh, the assailant. So, you know, in the end, unfortunately, I think George is really stuck, you know? I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I, I don't know. Well, there was a article that I came across on History.com that mm-hmm. actually claims that a shawl that was found, it was a 126-year-old shawl that was linked to Jack the Ripper points to an actual suspect because they found DNA on it. Hmm. And do they state this what's that? Potential do they state this potential uh candidate? The shawl had DNA pointing to a Polish immigrant by the name of Ari uh, Aaron Kosminski and they theorize this is a, a another author the author is uh, Russell Edwards, and his his book is named Naming Jack the Ripper. So he points to this guy, Aaron Kosminski, and the reason they are thinking that this was a shawl of Jack the Ripper himself and not one of the prostitutes was because it was such a fine quality that it wouldn't have been worn by the London prostitutes, they wouldn't have been able to afford it. So it had to have been somebody of well-renowned, somebody who had money to actually have had the shawl. Now, could it have been a gift to the prostitute just before the murder? I think that's a a very good possibility. Mm -hmm. How his DNA was on it, obviously skin cells... Maybe the prostitute had nicked him, but they were able to link his DNA to this shawl through a descendant of his sister. And they did a mitochondrial DNA swab of this descendant, and uh, her name was Karen Miller. So, I don't know if that necessarily links Aaron to this murder spree, because, in my opinion, that DNA would have degraded before they would have been able to test it, I would think. I mean, DNA testing has come a long way, but... right. Uh, I'm not really sure on that. But uh, there was another theory that a, a gentleman contacted me on Twitter about, and we're actually going to get him on the show about it, but his theory is that 
there were three men acting on behalf of a fourth that actually committed these murders. <clears throat> so it's God. It it is really hard to say what for sure these these murders were. Now, since it's linked to the Freemasons, and a lot of people associate, especially in the Christian community, Freemasonry with devil worship. Do you think that it could have been a demonic possession case? You know, I, I know some of our friends would immediately say yes because, you know, the war is against, not against flesh and blood, but against the spirit, mm. you know, and uh, and uh, the fears of the heavenly places. And so many would claim that anyone who murders, anyone who does anything evil, even like disease and stuff like that, are all based on demonic activity and demonic possession, et cetera, et cetera, or demonic influence at least, which I think is absolutely true. You know, I think there's plenty of demonic influence in all of these cases. But to say that this person was literally demonically uh, possessed, you know, there's not enough evidence, obviously, from what we've gathered and what we have to support that theory. Uh, obviously, there's a possibility, but let's face it, people are people. They're, they're fallen, and many, unfortunately, have become murderers because of it. Right. So, I mean, I agree. I mean, humans are sick. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but yes, yeah, so I, I, in this particular case, I don't think, and obviously this is just way out on a ledge because I can't stick with the other. I don't know. You know, I don't, I never, obviously didn't, <laughs> didn't meet the, you know, the guy or anything like that. Thank goodness. Although I probably would have been safe. You, guy. You're not a prostitute uh, and you're a guy, exactly. right? At but least regardless. you've told me you're not a prostitute and you're a guy. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm definitely not a prostitute. <laughs> I'm glad that you you fight the, the comment of being a prostitute, but you're kind of on the fence of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to go the other way, but I was like, well, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. That's, that's after the show stuff. But <laughs> don't worry, folks. It's okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think demonic influence definitely plays a huge role here. Whether or not the guy was actually demonically possessed, I don't know. Now, of course, the murders, the, the way they were, the brutality of them, could certainly suggest that, yeah, you know, that this could be something demonic, but it's just not enough to say. So you're saying you think it would be more of a possibility of demonic influence, not necessarily possession? Correct. Okay. So uh, that that's that was my point when I said, folks, that there's kind of a coral, spiritual correlation between all of these jacks because, as Eric just said, a lot of Christians believe that murderers are actually demonically influenced. Some say demonically possessed, mm-hmm. but is is that? The only reason somebody would kill somebody, Eric and my theory obviously kind of fight the theory of it just being demonic in nature because both him and I are on the, the page of that humans are actually 
very, uh, I wouldn't say evil, but we're fallen people, you know, there is a lot of sick stuff going on in the world. The thing is, here's the problem, problem that I have, and this goes to, to everybody, but especially the Christians who, who believe that everything is always Satan. It's like Satan is, he's the go-to, he's the problem, so on and so forth. That's not always true. You know, we have the ability in and of ourselves to do evil. God points that out very clearly in the scriptures. Uh, Cain, for example, killed Abel. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was the first murder. And nothing really stated that Satan entered Cain to kill Abel. Cain just was very upset and killed him. So, and so it's very clear that in Genesis chapter 4, Cain simply kills Abel with his own free will. Uh, and of course, obviously, you know, there, there are people who will state otherwise, who will claim, oh, Satan was there, blah, 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 blah. But when reading the scripture itself, seeing the whole context and understanding the context, reading it word for word, the name Satan isn't there. And God certainly doesn't say, you know, you know, like we see in, in the New Testament where Jesus is often casting out demons mm. and Satan and when he's talking, even when he talks to, Pe- to Peter, you know, there's one time where he says, oh, you know, away from me, Satan, or whatever, uh, to Peter. Um, <clears throat> and in this case, it just doesn't happen. Cain simply had the evil within himself because he was a fallen nature. You know, we, we weren't in, we weren't, um, uh, the original creation beforehand. And I think the reason people might say and blame it on Satan all the time is because of the fall in originally, you know, in, in Genesis 3. Uh, the fact that Satan was a serpent and deceived Adam into sin, hence any sin from there forward is on Satan. But again, according to scripture, that's not true. The sin is still on man. That's why he says that we are sinful. If it wasn't our fault and Satan was to blame, then we would not be sinners. We'd just be innocent bystanders, but we're not. So, you know, in this case, yeah, you know, there's just something, a small little argument I wanted to put out there that Satan, we give him too much credit. We do. He doesn't deserve it all. Uh, We are fallen as well. Uh, Obviously, he's much more evil than I think man can ever get, but, you know, my point stands. So, folks, we're going to go ahead and take our second and, of course, our last break of the evening. You are listening to us on Bear Truth Radio, and we will be right back after Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Bear Truth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. How's it going, Parafans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines, and these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. Earth to sea 25-hour days as rotation slows. Scientists have been attempting to work out how long it will take for us to gain an extra hour per day. It might not be obvious, but the length of a single day has been steadily growing over time. As the Earth's rotation gradually slows down, the amount of time it takes to complete a single rotation increases. Over the last 2,700 years, this equates to around 2 milliseconds per century. 
In a recent study, researchers from Durham University and the UK's Nautical Almanac Office decided to calculate how long it would take for the length of a day to increase by one hour. By analyzing historical accounts of eclipses and other celestial events, they worked out that it will take a whopping 200 million years for the rotation to slow enough to give us a 25-hour day. It's a very slow process, said study author Leslie Morrison. These estimates are approximate because the geophysical forces operating on the Earth's rotation will not necessarily be constant over such a long period of time. Trip to the moon could be available by 2026. Moon Express is hoped to be able to send people on trips to the moon within as little as 10 years. As if venturing to the edge of space aboard one of Virgin Galactic's suborbital space planes wasn't adventurous enough, tourists of the near future may even be able to go to the moon itself. Moon Express, a private firm founded back in 2010 by billionaire entrepreneur Naveen Jain, is the only private company to be granted permission by the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration to leave the confines of the Earth and land a spacecraft on the lunar surface. To accomplish this, the company will be teaming up with SpaceX, the private space firm founded by entrepreneur Elon Musk, who has his own ambitions about sending humans to other worlds. Mars is absolutely the right place to be, ultimately, said Jane. But the moon is the first training ground and the first stepping stone. At the end of the day, we would rather be a lunatic three days away than be a Martian six months away. So I really believe the problems living on the moon are similar, the high radiation, vast temperature difference, and if we can solve that problem on the moon, we can easily go on living on Mars after. According to Jane, Moon Express could soon be offering round trips to the moon for only $10,000. Whether the firm will actually be able to pull this off, however, remains to be seen. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we've been talking about the three men named Jack within myth and legend. Uh, some of these stories are simply fabricated. Some of them are true. Or at least one of them are true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nonetheless, they're all very interesting stories. Now, there is something I wanted to bring up real quick before we end the show. And Justin had asked me earlier in the week... Uh, whether or not I like the title that he gave the show, which is uh, "What is it with the name Jack?" Question mark. And of course, I was thinking about it. And there, like, when I do the transition intros, I try to think of what's quick, what's short, what makes an impact, you know, and what has a good ring to it. And so I try to come up with other ideas. And basically, when I started thinking about it. 
I realized that there actually is something to the question that Justin has asked. What is it with the name Jack? Because that's something we haven't really answered and something we need to answer because when we look at many of these stories, whether it's any of the three Jacks that we just talked about, whether it's Jack and Jill or any of the other little fairy tales that the Grimm brothers wrote up, Jack is used a lot. But why is it that in these particular stories that we spoke about today that that we had the name Jack? Why do we have Spring-Heeled Jack? Why do we have... uh, Stingy Jack. Why do we have Jack the Ripper? Why Jack? You know, why not something else? Well, I just had to do some research because I was like, this is something that whoa, whoa, you did this all by yourself with me not even having to ask. Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, so interestingly enough, I came across this nickname, this given name Jack, and it actually is from the name John. Which is weird. Uh, some people who are named John are given the nickname Jack. And, of course, I was like, well, why is that? Well, what's going on here? Well, as we know, many people who are just unknown, you know, we don't know who the person is. Maybe it's, it could be a dead person. It could be someone who uh, had committed a crime, but we don't know their actual name. What is the name that we usually give them? In particular, if, if they're dead, if it's a guy, it's... John Doe. John Doe. If it's a girl, it's Jane Doe. Uh and so basically this is the same thing that happened. John eventually transformed into Jack. And not as quickly as you might think, like, oh, hey, here's John, and now we're going to say Jack. It actually began uh, about 1,200 years ago when Jack originally dated. You know, that, that's that's the, when the name first kind of appeared. And it's simply used as a, or was used as a generic name for the peasants. Now... <clears throat> John Doe, for example, would often become Jack because it was a quicker name. It was easy. It meant man. Jack means man. Uh, and so that's why the term, you know, eventually came, came too. And according to the Normans, uh, the name that they originally had was Jen, which is their way of saying John. So when they pronounce it, basically you say, hey, Jen. Uh, well, John eventually became Jenkin, which in turn became Jackin, which then ultimately became Jack. And so now some of these people who don't know or who have a John Doe, they simply need a Jack because let's face it, John the Ripper doesn't sound very cool. <laughs> you know, it doesn't doesn't have a good ring to it. Uh you know, stingy John or well, John. I mean Since Jack well, means man now it's Man the Ripper, Spring-Heeled Man, and Stingy Man. <laughs> but, you know, but, I mean, it even still, I mean, it's still accurate. I mean, other than Jack the Ripper, because we don't know really if he was a right. guy or a girl. But, you know, if you're wondering, as I was, as to why all these names, and as Justin obviously was, mm-hmm. as to why the name Jack is used, there it is. It's simply their way of saying John Doe, but giving it a little different twist, something a little more... With a ring to it, I guess. So, so. if it, if it's a unknown male character, they went with Jack instead of they John went with Doe. Jack. Okay, correct. Interesting. That's. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting because. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't obviously does not link it to any type of spiritual nature at all. But no, huh? So, well, 
Eric came up with the answer, folks. There you go. <laughs> doesn't mean it's true. Well, it it, it doesn't sure it does make sense. True. Yeah. So, all right, folks. Well, that is the episode titled "What Is It with the Name Jack?" So interesting stuff. Like. If you guys have any questions, please let us know. We would love to talk to you guys. We love our listeners. You know, without you guys, we would not have a show. So definitely get in contact with us. Just go to paratruthradio.com. There you'll find all of our shows. You can contact us. We now have a Patreon account. If you'd like to be a patron of Paratruth Radio, be a supporter, we would love to... uh announce you guys as supporters on the show if you make a donation as well. So next week we are going to actually do a what's the word I'm looking for when two shows kind of combine. What's the word I'm looking for? Two show crossover? Crossover. Crossover show. We're going to do a crossover show with actually uh, Scott and Heidi from Talk Supernatural. They wanted to do a show on extraterrestrials. So Heidi and I both decided let's do a crossover show where we both play it on both channels. Mm -hmm. So definitely check that out. We got Christmas coming up. Uh, I think this year for our Christmas episode, we're going to go a little bit different route. We're going to talk about Christmas miracles. Mm. And, you know, last year we talked about Santa Claus and the Anti-Claus, a little bit more detailed into the birth of Jesus Christ. And the year before that, I, I think we concentrated on on Jesus Christ himself, just the mm-hmm. why we celebrate Christmas. So it'll be interesting to get into that and the next one after that is New Year's, and that will be an amazing episode because we have some new people coming to Paratruth Radio to do a show with us. Not going to name any names yet. You guys will have to wait till next week. So until next week, folks, where you will find us, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Do you love Paratruth Radio? Do you feel Paratruth Radio is worth at least a dollar? Then check out our Patreon account. Go to paratruthradio.com, click on the contact tab, and click on our Patreon link. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio, and you would like to listen to it again, or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day.
That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.